The Democrats were in a panic. Riots sweeping across this country were hurting Joe Biden's polls. Donald Trump was improving and gaining ground in battleground states, and they had to do something. So Joe Biden finally came out of the basement. He flew to Kenosha. He made some statements, but too little too late, in my opinion. I don't think people actually thought Joe Biden was strong enough to do anything about the riots, and he was playing catch up with Trump. Trump went to Kenosha. Joe Biden said he wasn't going to do it, and then goes the day a day later. Nah, not good enough. Well, now there's good news for the Democrats. How convenient. The media has published a story, The Atlantic did, claiming that Donald Trump called people who died in war losers and suckers. And on the surface, this is clownish and insane. Come on. Donald Trump is a lot of things. He says a lot of stupid things. He insults a lot of people. But to brazenly just be like sitting there looking at a, 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 a cemetery full of vets being like, what a bunch of losers. That's a caricature of Trump. The left paints. They now believe their own fake news to the point where the collusion between the Democrats and the media to help prop up Biden is so insane. I got to say, it's obvious. Let me just tell you, it goes well beyond Trump just claiming they're losers. Apparently, in this story, they claim Donald Trump asked who the good guys were in World War One and questioned why the allies would <laughs> why the U.S. would join the allies. <laughs> what? It is so insane, but it gets worse. Apparently, within 15 hours of this story dropping, a hit piece emerged with testimonials from Gold Star family saying, how dare you call vets losers, Donald Trump? Now, to me, that's shocking. They were able to put together testimonials and vet Gold Star families in 15 hours possible. But man, that seems that seems rough. I personally don't think I could pull that off unless, of course, I was prepped in advance. But that seems to be the narrative emerging. Now, Joe Biden is giving a Q&A to the press. And sure enough, they, they, they didn't just I love this critique. They didn't just set up the ball on you know like a tee ball so that he could hit him out of the park. One commentator said they actually hit the ball out of the park for Biden and then just had him walk the bases. The people who were standing up to ask him questions asked him a whole bunch of anti-Trump questions and, and, and asked him things where they could give him a chance to prop himself up. There is no free press right now. I mean, there's some people. Obviously, I'm a member of the media myself. Though I'm independent. But this I was reticent to call this media collusion. I was going to be like, well, you know, it's like they're being accused of collusion. We know that they colluded in the past, but this is so psychotic. When you read this story from The Atlantic, it reads like angry Trump derangement syndrome fan fiction, where they're like, the orange man was like, why would we fight with the allies? <laughs> it's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Now, Trump does not get off clean here. He's now saying, I would never say this. I never called John McCain a loser. He called John McCain a loser. But listen, man. Donald Trump, I think he's kind of an a-hole. All right, I really do. And, and you know what? People have a right to vote for that if they want to vote for it. But I'll tell you what, I was talking to a friend earlier and I said, listen, man, I get it. Trump says dumb things all the time. But you know what's more worrying to me? What's worrying to me is the media colluding with Democrats and big tech to suppress the vote and prop themselves up. That to me is particularly scary. Because now we're hearing Mark Zuckerberg's intervening. And though he's trying to feign neutrality, he's intervening on behalf of the Democrats. So let's talk about this collusion and what it means for the rest of us. And, and might I add, 
a lot of this is just my personal opinion and speculation, but it, it really does seem like the media and the Democrats collusion has become so just ridiculous. It's obvious because I'll, I'll just throw it out there. When they're asking Biden questions, the first question asked came from an Atlantic reporter. I kid you not. I tell you, man, let's read this story. Before I get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. There is a P.O. box if you want to send me some stuff. The best thing you can do, share this video. I don't have a big marketing department like The Atlantic or CNN or whoever else. I rely on word of mouth. If you think I'm doing a good job and what I say is important, consider sharing this video to help spread the word. And don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Let's read the news. From The Atlantic, Trump, Americans who died in war are losers and suckers. The president has repeatedly disparaged the intelligence of service members and asked that wounded veterans be kept out of military parades. Multiple sources tell The Atlantic. I'm sorry, man. This is just ridiculous, ridiculous on its face. But it's actually already been debunked. No joke. There are there are actual journalists who have already put out information from FOIA requests proving this story is not real. And and we'll go through this. Check this out. Here's what they write. When President Donald Trump canceled a visit to the Ain Marne American Cemetery near Paris in 2018, he blamed rain for the last minute decision, saying that, quote, the helicopter couldn't fly and that the Secret Service wouldn't drive him there. Neither claim was true. I'm going to stop right there. Actually, that is true. 100 percent true. Jason Leopold from uh, I believe he's still with BuzzFeed did a FOIA request and actually has the documents from the Navy saying straight up, because of the rain, the ceiling is going to be lowered. It's going to be very difficult to fly and it's dangerous. And they're going through back roads to get there. We don't think we can pull it off. It's that simple. And I'll show you the documents. But look at this. The, the Atlantic didn't even bother. They, they just say straight up. It's not true. But we have the documents. We literally have them. This is not journalism. Check it out. Trump rejected the idea of the visit because he feared his hair would become disheveled in the rain. And because he did not believe it important to honor American war dead, according to four people with firsthand knowledge of the decision of the, of the discussion that day in a conversation. OK, I'm, I'm going to stop right here and just say this right away. I'm like, come on. Trump is a lot of things, but he's not that stupid. He knows he needs to honor veterans. Donald Trump is the law and order president. And there it is. They are going after Trump with a vulnerability. Trump did call John McCain a loser. And he made disparaging comments about John McCain being captured. They knew it was a weak point and they knew the idea existed in people already and they could use this. And I'll be straight up. This is Trump's tactlessness, his, you know, coming back to haunt him. But come on, man, if you believe this story to quote Joe Biden, come on, man. I don't believe this is ridiculous because it gets even better. Just listen, when I read you these next couple of sentences, you're going to start laughing. Check it out. In a conversation with senior staff members on the morning of the scheduled visit, Trump said, quote, why should I go to that cemetery? It's filled with losers. In a separate conversation on the same trip, Trump referred to the more than 1800 Marines who lost their lives at Bella Wood as suckers for getting killed. Bella Wood is a consequential battle in American history, and the ground on which it was fought is venerated by the Marine Corps. America and its allies stopped the German advance toward Paris there in the spring of 1918. But Trump on that same trip asked aides, who were the good guys in this war? He also said that he didn't understand why the United States would intervene on the side of the allies. What? (laughs) Dude, 
This falls in line with the very fine people hoax. Come, you got to be kidding me with this article. At first, I heard the story and I was like, you know, Trump does say dumb things. So maybe there's people, you know, they're hamming it up. No, this is insane. There's no way Trump said, why would why would the U.S. join the allies? That's just so ridiculous. Trump's understanding of concepts such as patriotism, service, and sacrifice has interested me since he expressed contempt for the late Senator John McCain. And there it is. They knew it was a weak point, and they are going for the jugular. And this might hurt Trump. I, I do believe so. But I don't care for these stupid games. I know what's up. The Democrats were in panic mode over the riots. We just had a far leftist, an extremist, gun down a Trump supporter right near his home. This was really bad. And the narrative has already shifted. You see, Joe Biden was on the defensive. He was playing counter to Donald Trump's message of law and order. They needed to get in front and change the news cycle. And boom, there it is. Right on cue, the Atlantic drops a story. But more impressively, they somehow managed to get a smear piece with three testimonials from Gold Star families, maybe even more. In like 15 hours, I am impressed. No, this is the rapid response from Democrats. I believe they knew this story was coming. They got tipped off and they produced they produced some uh, uh, smear pieces. Now, listen, the fact that he's going straight for questioning Trump's patriotism and claiming there's like another quote where apparently Trump said of the veterans, what was in it for them? I kid you not. That's a caricature of Donald Trump. It's written by Trump derangement syndrome people like fan fiction. Come on. Trump is a lot of things, and a lot of those things are bad. But this is so over the top. It's like coming. It's like a seven-year-old. And the orange man was like, "Veterans are losers." You could do, you could have done way better than this. All right. Well, let's uh, let's 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 debunk this. Jason Leopold, straight up debunk. Regarding the lead of this story, I obtained documents from the Navy via FOIA about Trump's 2018 trip to Ain Marne, American cemetery near near Paris. And the documents say his transport was canceled by the Navy due to rain. Boom. Fake news Atlantic. They claim that Trump didn't want to get his hair wet and said, I don't care about troops anyway. And here it is. Jason Leopold with the fact check. He's got the Department of the Navy document right here. And I believe there's another email. It's a little hard to see. Let me see if I can zoom in on this. Apparently not. No, I can't. So that's kind of annoying. Let me try and read this. He says, speaking with WX at Bella Wood, LZ, and, uh, and in the rear, WX will not support today's flight. Please let me know if you need anything else from me. I will be, I will be the command pilot today and tonight. I mean, it's that simple. In, in the emails, they basically say that due to rain, it's going to lower the ceiling, I guess, like the, the amount of like the height the helicopter can go or something. It's dangerous. They said visibility would be low and they would not be supporting this flight. Jason Leopold is a reporter. I, I, I briefly worked with him at, uh, at Vice, I believe. And he's senior investigative reporter for BuzzFeed News. I appreciate the, the fact check. This, this story from The Atlantic, just, it's, it's, a, it's a clear smear against the president. Now, of course, Joe Biden ended up giving this, you know, build back better speech addressing monthly employment numbers. This thing looks so coordinated. Let me tell you, man, they have become so desperate that it is becoming increasingly obvious what they're doing. Think about it. Joe Biden says, I'm going to finally come and give a statement to the press the day after this story drops. President of the United States should be presidential. Joe Biden tells Ed O'Keefe, explaining why he doesn't show more anger on the campaign trail. It's coordinated. And I mean, 
Look, I'll tell you what, I said it over and over. If, if Donald Trump wasn't so bombastic, I'd be uh, more supportive of him. Right now, I think the bigger issues are the riots, which I don't think they can get in control of. And I'm particularly offended by the notion that I have to support Biden. Otherwise, the riots will continue as if the rioters are working for the Democrats. Oh, spare me, dude. You can't control these people. No, I want law and order. More importantly, the Democrats have embraced wholeheartedly far left identitarianism. So no, no support from me on that. But this is just so obvious what they're doing. Now, they're, they're going after Trump in another way. Trump calling McCain a loser was a mistake. It was. He likes to play things up. He likes to talk big. Well, these things will come back to haunt him. They knew it was bad from when he did it. They exploited it. And now people already believed that it was, it was possible that Trump would say this. In fact, I've asked some people, what do you think? And they said, well, he did call McCain a loser. So, so why wouldn't he call other people losers as well? He called McCain a loser because McCain lost in 2008, not because he got captured, though he did say, I prefer people who weren't captured. That's on Trump. Byron York with a tweet. Many of the questions for Joe Biden after his remarks today consisted of reporters asking Biden to elaborate on how bad Trump is. A list, not exact quotes. The first question, what does the Atlantic article tell you about Trump's soul and the life he leads? Oh, bravo. It was so wonderful. Emily Larson with the response saying the first question was from a staff writer for the Atlantic. They they're <laughs> they're not even teeing him up. They're they're walking the ball over to the end of the stand, chucking it over the side, yelling it was a home run and letting Joe Biden feebly walk around the bases. That, that's what this is. Look, at. they then ask him about QAnon and say Trump won't reject it. Trump mocked you for not wearing a mask. Have you been tested for covid? Bill Barr said China poses the most aggressive threat to U.S. elections, more than Iran and Russia. Do you believe that? We haven't seen much of Harris in the campaign. Some of these are kind of, you know, whatever, giving him a chance to answer things. Do you know when you'll have another COVID test? Here's one of my favorite things, though. Check this out. We know the president has been attacking mail-in voting. So has Russia. Are you concerned that this messaging may be, wor- messaging may be working? Oh. On today's jobless report, You've acknowledged that less than half of the jobs lost in spring have been rec- have recovered. What do the 1.4 million jobs gained in August say about the economy? Once again, countering the good news. They were expecting unemployment to be around like 10%. It dropped down to like 8. Uh, 8, was it 8.4, something like that. So they're like, well, highlight, they're, they're, they're trying to highlight this. They aren't just asking Biden questions. They are making the points for him because this is what the media does for Joe. Joe can't articulate himself properly. When Joe speaks and he says, you know, then the media finishes the quote for him. They cut out the ums and ahs and likes and oofs. They make his quotes sound like they're real statements. That's what they're doing right here. The last one was, would you support more Muslim countries normalizing relations with Israel, even though it might undermine Palestinian leverage for a two state solution? And there it is. Donald Trump's historic, epic peace agreement between Israel and the Emirates being undermined. And that's their plan. They cannot give Trump one simple thing. I tell you, man. Well, you know what? Donald Trump deserves some of the uh, look. Some of the attacks against him are Trump's own vulnerabilities. I got no problem saying the media is full of it. But hey, Trump's trying to, you know, tr- Trump is, is, is on the defensive now. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what my advice would be to, to Trump. Don't get off message on the riots. We just had this extremist. That's what I care about. Okay. I don't believe for a second Donald Trump is going to go to a, a, a military funeral, you know, cemetery and be like, what a bunch of losers. That's ridiculous. Over the top. They, they're, they're pushing too hard. But I got to call out Trump on this one. Check it out. He said, 
Also, I never called John a loser and swear on whatever or whoever I was asked to swear on that I never called our great fallen soldiers anything other than heroes. This is more made up fake news given by disgusting and jealous failures in a disgraceful attempt to influence the election. Part of that is true, but Trump should have tweeted. It was a mistake to call John a loser. I was speaking about the election and perhaps upon self-reflection, I made that mistake, but I would never call our soldiers who gave their lives losers. I would only call them heroes. Well, in fact, Trump did call them losers. So we have this, there's a video right here. It's from C-SPAN. He, he, he does. In fact, Trump himself tweeted this story. It's, it's from Trump's account. Quote, Donald Trump, John McCain is a loser. Trump should not have said that. But this shows us one thing. They're trying to push Trump off balance and they got him a little bit. They did. Don't think you've got this one in the bag. There is dirty. There are dirty games afoot. This may be one of the most important elections uh, in American history. Seriously, we're we're facing dangerous precedent. We've got social media manipulation. I got a lot to go through. here. This might be a long video, but Trump did it. Okay, you got to accept your faults. And if Trump did, he'd come out looking better for it. But I want to show you the reality of media. Matt Taibbi. Now, you want to talk about hitting something out of the park. Matt Taibbi does this. His articles are fantastic. And this guy does not like Donald Trump. In this article, the Trump era sucks and needs to end. He's very critical of Trump. And I think rightly so. But he also calls out the media for being, well, whatever the media is today. I'll tell you what, man, before I read this, let me just say, I don't blame Trump for being Trump. I think Trump is a different kind of candidate. I think he's, a, he's, he's woken up a lot of people who normally don't vote. There's a lot of things I've been very critical of him over for a long time. It's why I've only recently said I will vote for him. And, and I made that clear earlier in the segment. But Donald Trump does Trump things. He's a person. He talks a certain way. He says things. You can call him out for it. But at the end of the day, he's just the dude. The media actively chooses to play these dirty games. Check this out. Matt Taibbi writes, American politics has become an interminable clash of off-putting pathologies. Call it the hydroxychloroquine effect. Trump one day in a press conference mutters that a drug has tremendous promise as a treatment of coronavirus. Within 10 seconds, a consensus forms that hydroxychloroquine is snake oil. And the New York Times is running stories denouncing Trump's brazen willingness to distort and outright defy expert opinion and scientific evidence when it's not when it does not suit his agenda. Then you read the story and find out doctors have been prescribing the drug that early reports from doctors in China and France have said that it seemed to help patients. And moreover, that the actual quote about it being a game changer from Trump included the lines, quote, maybe not. And what do I know? I'm not a doctor. In response to another Trump quote on the subject, what do you have to lose? In uh, journalists piled on again, quoting the president of the American Medical Association to remind audiences you could lose your life as if Trump had recommended that people run outside and mainline this stuff. Remember when they were like, Trump said to drink bleach. He never did that. It's just so dumb. Donald Trump said it could be a game changer. Maybe not. What do I know? I'm not a doctor. But they ignore that and then claim Trump is saying something. This is the dirty game of media. Trump says X. They say minus X. And then and then I come out and say, well, Trump was kind of dumb for saying X, you know, but minus X is just not true. And here we go. This is the perfect example of it. I can say, well, look, you know, there are some studies. Trump coming out and touting this is maybe a little bit over the top, but he's a guy with an opinion. Now, the media is lying here. This is amazing stuff from Taibbi. He says, Trump being Trump, 
he responded to his to this criticism by doubling down over and over, eventually retweeting a video boosting the drug by a doctor named Stella Emanuel. She turned out to believe that alien DNA had been used in medical treatments. Atheist doctors were working on a religion vaccine and uh, and uterine endometriosis is caused by <laughs> demon sperm. Asked about this misinformation, Trump somehow managed to include both a xenophobic put down about the Ni- Nigerian doctor and a lie about his enthusiasm for her saying, I don't know what country she comes from. I know nothing about her. All of which is insane. But so is rooting for a drug to not work in the middle of a, p- a historic pandemic. The clear subtext of nearly every news story on this topic dating back to March. Rule number one of the Trump era is that everything Trump touches quickly becomes as infamous as he is. Maybe not the biggest deal when talking about an obscure anti-malarial drug, but problematic when the subject is America itself. Trump's argument, they lie about me. He attracts so much negative attention and so completely dominates the culture that the line between him and the country that elected him becomes blurred, allowing him to make a secondary argument. They lie about you. This incantation works. The New York Times just ran a story about how chaos in Kenosha is already swaying some voters. That quoted John Garrity, a former Marine. Garrity's first vote was for Obama and called Trump's handling of coronavirus laughable, but still, quote, Mr. Garrity said he disliked how Mr. Trump talked, but said the Democratic Party's vision for governing seemed limited to attacking him and calling him a racist, a charge being leveled so constantly that it was having the effect of alienating instead of persuading people. And the idea that Democrats alone were morally pure on race annoyed him. Bravo, Matt. I love it. I'm, I've, I've never been a big fan of Trump, but I will tell you this. Early on, Trump did things that were off-putting. I didn't like calling John McCain a loser. Look, I do not like John McCain. Warmonger, to say the least. But Trump was so brazen and brash and, oof, you know, and a lot of people felt that way. A lot of Trump supporters don't care. But I will tell you this. As of recent history, I think Trump has been improving his rhetoric. He's done a better and better job of toning down the, 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 the things he says. He, he, he's now trying to walk these things back and do better. Certainly not perfect by no means. But still, I think we're facing a serious crisis. I look to what the media is doing. I look to what the Democrats are doing and big tech. And I'll tell you, I find it freaky. Mark Zuckerberg warns to expect violence and civil unrest if election result is not immediately clear, as he says, Facebook is scrambling to stop the platform being used to spread disorder. Specifically, Zuckerberg says we're trying to make sure we do our part to make sure that none of this is organized on Facebook in reference to civil unrest. I think we need to be doing everything that we can to reduce the chances of violence in the wake of this election. They go on to mention Zuckerberg said Facebook and news organizations needed to start preparing the American people that there's nothing illegitimate about this election, even if it takes additional days or even weeks to make sure that all votes are counted. Yikes, man. That is already pushing the Democrat narrative. We know more mail-in votes means more inaccuracy, more potential for fraud. The New York Times reported this in 2012. Yet Facebook is clearly saying, no, it's going to be fine. So he's taken aside. If Trump says, and Bill Barr says, there's a potential for fraud, well, then that's their opinion. If the media and the Democrats say there isn't, okay, that's their opinion. Facebook just sided with the media and the Democrats. I hope you realize what comes next. Here we go. Facebook is paying people to shut down their accounts ahead of the election. It's part of Facebook's plan to research its role in elections. Really? I don't know who they're choosing to get to get rid of or whatever, but I'll tell you what, 
They've literally been asking people, how much money would it take for you to shut down your account? And they're asking people, they will pay you to close your account. Man, I'd almost be willing to say Facebook should just shut down for the duration of the election, but people run their businesses on Facebook, so that could be pretty devastating for the economy. But this is, this is nuts, man. This is nuts. You know, I, I, I do think I should save a little bit of this for some, some further segments because otherwise we're going to run a little bit too long. But I got one more thing to show you. I think Facebook clearly is taking the left side on this one. And that means we're facing something really dangerous. But I, I want to tell you something. The right seems to think they will win any civil war. And, you know, I just got to tell you, that's uh, not true. They say, but we have the guns. They can't be. Mm -mm -mm. No, no, I'm sorry. Let me make something clear for you. I was watching a documentary. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It wasn't. It was a it was a uh, not a documentary. It was a film about World War Two. It was about it was called The Resistance Banker. It's actually pretty good. It's about a Dutch banker in occupied Netherlands who helps fund the resistance. I wondered why it is that so few German soldiers were able to occupy the Netherlands and keep all of these Dutch people under their boot. It's because the Dutch people couldn't organize properly. They struggled. And that's the gist of the movie, the resistance banker. He was struggling to find a way to organize and administrate funding for resistance. It was very difficult. He got caught and he lost his life. Dude's a hero. It's amazing stuff. If come November, Facebook starts banning individuals who are posting about the illegitimacy of mail-in voting, then there will be no conversation. There will be no communication. There will be no organizing. Like Patterson, New Jersey, I think it's extremely likely, nay, likely, just going to happen or almost guaranteed that we will see widespread inaccuracies and fraud. To what degree is widespread, I don't know, but enough, because even 1% is enough to call the election into question, right? Especially considering Trump won some swing states by only fractions of a vote. Uh, I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, fractions of percentage. What happens if a bunch of lawsuits emerge and then you on Facebook say, this isn't right, something is wrong, banned? That's what Mark Zuckerberg said. They're going to shut you down. They're going to start preparing everybody to know that everything will be OK, even if we don't know who our president is for weeks, for weeks. We won't know who our president is. Are you nuts? Mark Zuckerberg telling you what's about to come. And then I saw this story. Mail in ballots were subject to fraud in Baltimore during the Civil War. Oh, spare me. You know what? We're living in a clown show. It's a game, isn't it? LeBron James wearing a voter die shirt like the episode of South Park. Trump is being accused now of calling dead veterans losers. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. During war, you know what, man? Apparently, there's going to be some Antifa thing in like Fredericksburg, Virginia. Next thing you're going to tell me, there's going to be a battle at Gettysburg and Harper's Ferry. Oh, geez, man. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you what. I hope you've been taking care of yourselves and preparing and just, you know, being happy. Because at a certain point, the absurdity of all of this just makes me laugh. I don't know what to expect. I'm going to try and just have a, keep a smile on my face, wake up and say, you know what? The sun is shining. The flowers are blooming. Well, it's almost fall. The, you know, the trees are you know, starting to, the leaves are falling. But you know what? It's still nice, right? I'm going to go enjoy the weather and nature because who knows what any of this is. No matter how bad it gets, I hope you realize you got one life to live and you keep an optimistic view of things because it might get bad. But hey, you still got your health. And I think whatever happens, we're going to be all right. I just don't know who our president is going to be. So whatever. 
I'll see y'all in the next segment coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. We have major breaking news in the story of the Trump supporter who was shot and killed in Portland. Most of you probably already know by now there was a Trump supporter walking down the street. There's a video where we hear someone yell, we got him right here. We got a couple right here. Several shots. The man is dead. The man who shot flees. Now, the man accused of doing the shooting, Michael Reinald, is dead. He was killed by police in what they say was a shootout the other day when they tried serving a warrant. But that was uh, before this. He actually gave an interview to Vice News and they aired this last night where he basically said it feels like the beginning of a war, like his shooting, like him shooting this Trump supporter was the start of a war. He said it felt like civil war was just around the corner. And I think a lot of people feel this way. Now, many people believe that the shooting of the Trump supporter was a targeted execution because there's a longer live stream of what happened. You can see these people walking down the street. They come across some Trump supporters. Then you hear the yelling. We got them. We got a couple right here. Pull it out here. Yeah. Bang, bang. There's different uh, accounts as to what people think happened. But based on the fact that this dude was at a decent amount of distance, you can tell in the video, they're not they're not super far away. They're not really close to each other, but they're they're far enough away to where it does not seem that this guy is being threatened at all. And then he flees and he goes into hiding. He he's claiming in this interview with Vice that the police were working with these right wing groups, so he couldn't turn himself in. And he also I'm going to say, I mean, he flat out lies the framing of his interview that the Trump supporters and all these vehicles were armed and surrounding a person of color and he had no choice but to defend him is just patently absurd. This guy, I believe, clearly unhinged and out of his mind. I think perhaps he thought regular cars in the street were Trump supporters and that he had no choice to gun down a guy minding his own business, walking down the street. Sure, fine, whatever. The breaking news is that the police have, have, uh, have killed him. They went to serve a warrant and they say that he started shooting at them, at at the cops. The cops fired back. There's a video that emerged showing uh, what what appears to be around dusk. So it's still daylight out and they're performing CPR on what appears to be Michael Reinal on the ground. I want to read to you about what he was saying in the in the Vice News interview. But first, let's start with the, the, the breaking news from The New York Times. What we know about the death of the suspect in the Portland shooting. The suspect, Michael Forrest Reinald, 48, was killed by law enforcement agents just five days after the deadly shooting of a right wing protester. From The New York Times, they write law enforcement agents in Washington killed a suspect on Thursday night in the shooting death of a right wing activist in Portland last week. The latest development in the protests and counter demonstrations that have escalated tensions in the city and drawn the nation's attention. The suspect, Michael Forrest Reinald, 48, was shot by officers in Lacey, Washington, as they tried to arrest him. Law enforcement officials said the right wing, uh, they, they said the right wing activist Aaron J. Danielson, 39, had been shot five days earlier in Portland and an arrest warrant had been issued for Mr. Reinald earlier on Thursday. Mr. Reinald's death is also playing out during a broader confrontation between opposing visions for the nation as protesters demanding racial justice clash with right wing activists on the streets in events that have become increasingly politicized ahead of the presidential elections. They say federal officers were pursuing the suspect. Mr. Reinald was shot by officers from a federally led fugitive task force. Four law enforcement officials familiar with the investigation said on Thursday around 7 p.m. in a residential area of Lacey, a town southwest of Seattle. According to Lieutenant Ray Brady of the Thurston County Sheriff's Office, 
which is investigating the shooting of Mr. Reinel, a police team was in the area looking for a homicide suspect, though the lieutenant did not mention Reinel by name. The suspect left an apartment and entered a vehicle where he was approached by the police officers. A confrontation followed, Lieutenant Brady said. As they attempted to apprehend him, there was gunfire, he said, saying that four officers fired their weapons and that the suspect was thought to be armed. Shots were fired into the vehicle and the suspect fled. Then more shots were fired. The Portland police had issued a warrant for Mr. Reinald's arrest earlier on Thursday, according to the Olympian, a local news outlet, and, it, uh, and had enlisted U.S. marshals to find and arrest him. They say Mr. Reinald had spoken about the Portland shooting. Reinald, who, was a, who is from a suburb of Portland, was a father of two, who had said that he was an army veteran and had been a familiar face of the protests for weeks and described himself in posts on social media as an anti-fascist. He also previously described providing security at the protests. Now, I believe others have tried to source this information and there's no records. I, I can't remember which source this was. I'll, hopefully I can, I can, you know, I'll pull it up in one of the next stories. But what I read basically said they couldn't find any record this guy was actually in the army. Quote, I am 100% Antifa all the way he posted on Instagram in June, referencing the loose collection of activists that have mobilized to oppose what they see as fascism or racism. That same post was also laced with violent messages. Now, I want to clarify this as well. And the New York Times says what they see as fascism or racism. Some more context is necessary. These people think literally everything is racism, and I'm not exaggerating. They believe that time is racist. I am not exaggerating. There are... I'm not, I'm not kidding. They, so yes, they're going on attacking anyone. We truly have an opportunity right now to fix everything, he wrote, but it will be a fight like no other. It will be a war. And like all wars, there will be casualties. This man was unhinged, dangerous, and insane, armed, and he had apparently been arrested twice before for having an illegal weapon. Now we can make a second amendment argument and say that's irrelevant to the shooting at this point. But I think if they're going to allow this man to be cut loose when he was posting, there will be war and casualties. And he was showing up to political rallies armed. This is on the fault of of the DA in Portland. In an interview with Vice News, Mr. Reinald appeared to admit to the shooting of Mr. Danielson and said he believed he had acted in self-defense. Had I not acted, I am confident that my friend and I am sure I would have been killed because I wasn't going to stand there and let something happen. He said in an interview, this is just ridiculous. Watch the video. He's, 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 he's standing at a decent distance. No one is lunging at him. No one is, is, is screaming at him. No one's saying anything. And it actually, uh, according to the witness, they were walking the other direction. The friend of the victim said they turned around when he or, or these Antifa guys yelled at them. So if we go by the witness statement and the video, it does not seem to corroborate what this man said. He basically describes like a bunch of vehicles with armed Trump supporters. That's just not the case. In fact, a vehicle that pulls up right behind him after the shooting had Antifa people inside of it, or what appears to be Antifa, not Trump supporters. Portland's protests have simmered for months, they say. The city of Portland has been the site of nightly protests for three months since the killing of George Floyd. We know this. At the height of protests, we know all that. The deaths, the deaths have come amid turmoil in other cities. This we understand. Let's move on now to what he said in the interview with Vice News. Insider reports, a man suspected of fatally shooting a Trump supporter during protests in Portland said he saw, quote, a civil war right around the corner and that his shot felt like the beginning of a war. Michael Reinel was named in connection with the death of Aaron Danielson in Portland on Saturday night. Federal agents tried to arrest him late Thursday. This again, we know. He had earlier given an interview discussing the killing 
which was broadcast on Thursday by Vice News. Honestly, quote, quote, uh, honestly, I hate to say it, but I see civil war right around the corner. That that shot felt like the beginning of a war. In the interview, Reinhold said he was acting in self-defense and believed that he and a friend were about to be stabbed. He told interviewers, you know, a lot of lawyers suggest that I shouldn't even be saying anything, but I feel it's important that the world at least get a little bit of what's really going on. I had no choice. Reinhold was under police investigation over the killing of Aaron Danielson, a supporter of the alt-right group Patriot. That's, that's not true. Patriot Prayer is not alt-right, who was taking part in pro-Trump rallies. Reinhold said in his interview that he saw the Patriot Prayer protest as threatening. Vice News said that Reinhold spoke with a freelance reporter who shared the conversation with Vice. Let me clarify that for you. It seems like Reinhold spoke with a friend Somebody who has said in the past that, the, you know, their goal or it appears they were saying their goal was to mainstream Antifa. I don't I don't care to go into the details of the reporter. A lot of people are criticizing Vice News. Vice News got a hold of some footage. They published it. You want to have an argument or a debate about that? Sure, fine. But it would seem like, look, there, there's a fine line between what a reporter is and a sympathizer or a collaborator. And we're at a point right now where there's clear dividing lines. There's literally a division in media. Okay. Some reporters are seen as leftists, seen as right. There's no objective reporters anymore, period. Because the left doesn't, there's no middle ground. And if there's no middle, there's no objective press. Everyone is going to be criticized for everything they say. Reinhold said, I'm seeing all these vehicles with hatred, people in the backs of trucks yelling and screaming and swinging bats and sticks at protesters that are just standing there yelling at them. He said that he went to help a friend that was surrounded by trucks with armed pro-Trump protesters. I saw someone that is dear and close friend of mine in the movement by himself, basically confronting all these vehicles. What vehicles? And so I let him know that I'm here, parked my vehicle and joined up with him, found myself in the intersection in front of the food truck, surrounded by trucks and cars that had weapons. (laughs) What? We've seen the video. The intersection's empty. There's a couple vehicles that are questionable. I've brought this up. But the dude then yells, we got him right here. I don't know if it's him who yells it, but then he shoots him. He said a man threatened to stab him and another pro- a protester. Had I stepped forward, he would have maced or stabbed me. Reinhold said that he was confident that I did not hit anyone innocent and I made my exit. Bystander video shows a man resembling Reinhold fired two shots at Danielson and walk away. Reinhold said he did not turn himself into the police because he thought police were collaborating with right wing protesters and they would not protect him. Protests have taken place in Portland since George Floyd was killed. We know all of this. The Times reported that Reinhold had regularly protested in recent weeks and acted as a kind of security guard. Randall McCorkle, McCorkle, another protester, told the Times that nightly he would break up fights. Reese uh, Monson, a Portland protest leader who helped organize the protest security, said Reinhold was trained in de-escalation and said he was excellent at it. we, we, We know what he said. As Business Insider previously reported, Antifa, short for anti-fascist, is a leaderless organization that's not true, that opposes groups it sees as fascist. You, you know, we have a, a serious problem when journalists who aren't, I don't even know how to, look, you, you, you know, these journalists are just wrong. They don't do their research. They have no idea what they're talking about. Antifa is a brand ideology, and there are many different Antifa groups, and they all have leaders. They're just into autonomous cells. You can't join an Antifa group in Portland unless the leaders approve of you. They have said this much. Do your homework insider. When it comes to national level 
rallies, organization, riots, whatever, they will coordinate between each other. But they do have leaders of their cells. Reinhold wrote, I am willing to fight for my brothers and sisters, even if I even if some of them are too ignorant to realize what Antifa truly stands for. We do not want violence, but we will not run from it either. It's all lies. What Antifa says and does the framing they use, they say, oh, there were there were vehicles surrounding us. Well, we've watched the video. That's just ridiculous. Now, there are cars in the street. Sure. But there's like two vehicles just sitting there doing nothing. And this guy shoots a Trump supporter in the chest who was not running who was not lunging at him. You can see a big blast of what appears some kind of mist. Some people have said it's because the Trump supporter was firing pepper spray. But according to witnesses, they believe that the first bullet hit a a tear gas. uh, I'm sorry, a mace canister, which caused it to explode. Now, some have pointed out it could still be self-defense because both individuals appear to be raising some kind of weapon. And it just so happens the guy with the gun. Well, he's the winner in that in that fight, right? But I, I think it's negated by two things. For one, Reinhold fled, obviously. But more importantly, he yells, we got him right here. They are walking towards the Trump supporters. They could have easily just turned around. The Trump supporting guys said that one, the, the friend of the victim, we, we turned around when we heard them yell, which means Antifa was approaching them, yelled, we, we got him. The Trump supporters then turn around. Antifa guys could have walked away as soon as they noticed they were there. But, but, you know, arguably, I'm sure there could have been some kind of self-defense had he not fled and then gotten to a confrontation with cops. Now, I don't know if he shot at cops because they didn't say that. They said the cops fired into his car, but he, he may have been armed, may have been reaching for a weapon. I don't know. Take a look at this. Andy No says Antifa Black Block outside the Kelly Penumbra Police Building in Southeast Portland wrote this everywhere on the street. Portland Police Bureau murdered Michael Reinald. Reinal, the Antifa shooter, was wanted by police for killing Aaron Danielson. He was shot dead last night. You killed Michael. Blood on your hands. They support the guy. They absolutely support him. Civil war right around the corner, huh? Let's let's think about this for a second. I try to I try to approach everything uh, as objectively as possible, but I of course have my biases. I think these people are unhinged and unrepentant racists. I watched them protest for months, smashing things, organizing. How many Trump rallies have we seen in the past uh, months? Several that went, went, went without a hitch, no violence. There were some back the blue rallies, no burning, no looting, no violence, just marches through the street, peaceful. That's, that's normal. All the Antifa stuff, all the Black Lives Matter stuff, typically had fights with cops and smashing of windows. They blame provocateurs. Well, there's no provocateurs in the Trump rallies. No, it's, it's the far left. So what we see is regular Americans protesting in favor, in, you know, in, in support of police. Nothing happens. The far left getting extremely violent. There's one Trump rally in Portland and it ends with a Trump supporter killed. And the far left and their allies in media still frame it as though it's the right doing all this. I watched the videos. I've spoken to the witnesses who were there on the ground at the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. Just last night and the night before, we had Drew Hernandez of the of At Lives Matter show. He covers Antifa on the ground, sitting here saying exactly what happened. We had Elijah Schaefer from Slightly Offensive, that's his show, saying exactly what happened. They were both on the ground. Antifa had torched a dumpster and was pushing it towards a gas station. And some young people put the fire out, sparking a confrontation. They both said Kyle Rittenhouse was defending himself. And Drew said just the other night, 
Kyle probably would have been killed if he did not defend himself. Now, what about what about the Antifa guy? He's saying the exact same thing. And herein lies the shocking and dangerous reality. Both sides are convinced they're right. I believe based off of witness testimony and the videos we've all seen, this Antifa guy was not acting in self-defense. Absolutely not. He immediately went for his gun, killed the guy and fled. He was walking towards them. There was no initial scuffle. There was no fight. There was no, hey, man, back off. Nothing. It was just literally, we got him right here. And then the, and then the Trump supporter was dead. Kyle Rittenhouse ran. He ran from these people who were attacking him. And then someone fired a gun in the air. And that's when he turned around. And according to the New York Times, the first guy lunged at him and he shot several times, killing this man. He then ran to the police and they hit him, knocked him down. He falls. Then they started beating him on the ground and he shot into self-defense. When a man drew, put up his hands, Rittenhouse lowered his weapon. That man then jumped forward with a gun and Kyle shot him in the bicep, vaporizing his, 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 his bicep. Rittenhouse is seen on video running to the police saying, I'm going to get the police. This guy didn't do that. This guy actually claimed that he was surrounded by vehicles that were, you know, full of armed Trump supporters. No, I, that does not seem to be the case at all. Perhaps he's a paranoid, delusional individual. Fine. But the far left still supports him. And what that means is when I, I'm, I've been seeing tweets now. I've been seeing tweets from people supporting Reinhold, saying the cops executed him. You know, uh, Rittenhouse is still alive. Think about what that means. And I'm like, but Rittenhouse turned himself in. If he turned himself in, he would be alive. You know, these people really live in this paranoid state where they think that if he walked into a department and said, you know, I'm the guy, you know, please arrest me. They think that what are the cops going to do right there in front of everyone? Just kill him. That would never happen. Instead, he's armed, dangerous, gets into a confrontation with cops, flees. They shoot him. There's a video. I can't show it of them performing CPR on this man, trying to save him. Even after all this, even I think civil wars is coming. Perhaps that was the shot heard around the world. You know, a lot of people are, 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 are criticizing me because I've said the Proud Boys should not go to Portland. Most people, however, seem to agree because we know where this is heading. I think that if the Proud Boys go to Portland, this is the next big step. The far left has been fundraising for bulletproof vests. We already saw a dude in Portland get stabbed. Several people have been killed at the Chaz. 33, 34 people are now dead. The conflict is escalating and Antifa is looking for a reason and they're going to get it because the Proud Boys are going to show up and they're going to say we have a right to do this. And they do. That's true. You have a right to peacefully, peacefully, peacefully protest. But I'll tell you what's going to happen. This is bad for the press. The media allies of the left are in trouble. Never interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake. And now the nation is being shocked to see what's happening. A Trump supporter walking down the street was gunned down. What do you think the narrative is going to be the beginning of October after a couple days of Proud Boys walking through Portland? The narrative is going to be violent right wing militias and far right alt right extremists laid siege to Portland because they know how bad this makes them look. They are going to pull out every organizational uh, favor 
every smear tactic, every journalist who would give anti this 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 murderer the the ability to, to say his message and Vice News publishes it. And you know what, man? I've said in the past, peacefully protest, speak up, be heard, stand up for what you believe in. But I have repeatedly said, do not confront these people. They want it. It's the game they play and they play it better than you. Can a proud boy whoop an Antifa? You betcha. You put an Antifa and a proud boy in in a ring. Guess who's coming out in 10 seconds as the victor? We all know what's going to happen because we've seen the videos. But you take a journalist, one of their allies in media, and what are the Antifa people doing? They have a smile on their face as they walk up and say, oh, no, I'm going to get beaten. And when the proud boy punches them, the photo comes out of an angry dude wearing, you know, the gold trim, punching a guy. And the headline is far right militant white supremacists beat peaceful Black Lives Matter protester. That's what's coming next. I'm telling you. You can disagree with me. That's fine. You can argue it's still your right to go out and peacefully assemble and do all those things. And that's true. It is. I don't care what you do. So long as you're not violent. Antifa is violent. So they get the criticism. But heed my warning. I'm telling you what comes next. The Proud Boys are going to be there. Antifa is looking for a fight. They need vindication because they're the aggressors now and they look bad to the public. So the best thing they can do to hurt Donald Trump is every listen. Joe Biden launched his campaign on the the very fine people hoax, lying about what Trump said. You better believe they are salivating for the opportunity to smear Trump just before the election. And the Proud Boys are going to hand it to him. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all next time. The sister of the Antifa crackpot killer in Portland has come out saying, quote, I wouldn't say this counts as bad news. She basically goes on to describe how her brother was losing it and was becoming more and more extreme. She thought that angry masses would come for him. And she's worried that this could that that he could become a martyr. She's right. He is going to become a martyr for the far left. They've already been writing his name in the street saying police have killed him. And the right is already calling for some kind of retaliation. So the question is, was this the shot heard round the world? And it may be because some right wing groups are saying straight up the shots have been fired and a hot civil war may come next. And I certainly hope not. I, I mention this often. People will criticize me for saying civil war because nobody wants to hear it. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's not true. Sure. Everyone's saying, Shh, just don't say the words that won't make reality change. It won't make this go away. I'm sorry. I'm going to show you some left wing and right wing sources talking about the real potential for civil war. And I'm going to show you one one a small town paper saying, look at what's happening around you. You will not see, in my opinion, massive groups marching, you know, state lines. That's never how it is. But something is something big is coming. I don't know what it'll look like. It could be more like a coup meaning left wing and right wing groups of only a few hundred or a thousand are fighting in D.C. And then eventually someone takes the White House or it could be government officials, people who work in the government who hold far left views, people in the government who hold more American libertarian or liberal classical liberal views. And they clash and eventually someone takes over. 
It could be as simple as come this election, Joe Biden and Donald Trump, for some reason, have both been declared the victors and they're standing on the lawn of the White House, pointing at each other, yelling to a Secret Service agent, arrest this man. I don't know for sure. But first, let's talk about how the crackpot killer's family actually views him. The Daily Mail says exclusive sister of Portland Antifa gunman reacts to his death after he was shot dead by U.S. Marshals as he voices concerns he'll become a martyr, an excuse and an excuse for more violence. They say April Reinel spoke exclusively with DailyMail.com hours after brother Michael Reinel's death at the hands of Federal Fugitive Task Force on Thursday night. Reinel was shot by U.S. Marshals in Lacey, Washington, after becoming the target of a Portland police murder investigation into the death of a right wing protester, Aaron Danielson. His school teacher sister learned of her brother's death when she was contacted by Daily Mail. In an emotional phone call, the sister of the alleged murderer and Antifa member said she was already bracing herself for the news of his death, but believed it would be at the hands of the right wing group Patriot Prayer, whose member he allegedly shot dead at the protest last week. I wouldn't say at this point that this counts as bad news. It's just more news, Reinhold's sister said. Honestly, I didn't expect it to be the police. I expected it to be the people who had who had a contract out for him. I was expecting the angry population of people who are out for blood. The bereaved sister said she was worried her brother would become a martyr and an excuse for more violence after she reported the police killing. Now we've got two martyrs. That's how the two opposing sides are going to want to spin it, she said. Hatred begets hatred. Anybody who saw him in their in their eyes standing up for the plight of black people being killed by an officer is going to validate their feelings in their minds of all the anger they have, whether or not it's correct or righteous. As the news spread of his reported killing at the hands of federal officers on Thursday night, Antifa group Salish, Salish Coast Antifa tweeted, rest in power, Michael Forrest Reinel. The news just hit. The news hit just as direct action as a direct action protest march was planned to begin in Portland as the city nears 100 days of protests and riots that have rocked the area. April told DailyMail.com she believed her brother would have tried to fight with federal officers sent to catch him fleeing to the small town 120 miles north of Portland. I wouldn't be surprised if he reacted badly to a situation just like he reacted badly to the situation at the riots. He always acted impulsively, letting the worst emotions guide his actions. And then he tried to rationalize afterwards. So I'm not surprised he got himself killed. I'm surprised a police officer did it. Think about this testimony from his own sister. What did this guy do? They were walking down the street. They saw some Trump supporters. He drew, he drew his gun and killed the guy. And then he tried rationalizing it afterwards on Vice News. His own sister says as much. Both circumstances, we, all of these circumstances are tragic. I don't want anybody to get hurt. Not this guy. You've got some sad photographs. Here's the dude as a Boy Scout in 1980. A Boy Scout became a, a communist, far left, whatever you want to call him, insurgent with a tattoo on his neck. That's radicalization. How do you go from a Boy Scout to whatever that was? Radicalization to where he'd walk around armed and prepare to kill a man in the street. That's a tragic story. We don't have two martyrs. The problem here is that you have the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. Now, in my view, based on the video evidence and testimony from witnesses, Rittenhouse was defending himself, and he was not there in Kenosha with the intent to cause harm. He had a medical kit with him. 
The intent of Kyle Rittenhouse was to go to Kenosha to protect. The intent of people like Reinhold was to go to Portland to destroy. Now they'll tell you we are protecting marginalized communities by destroying. That's not the same thing. There was no destruction from Kyle Rittenhouse, and he had no intention on hurting people unless he was attacked. He said so in viral videos. He needed to protect himself. But he provided medical assistance to the, the far leftists who were out there that night. When they attacked him, he defended himself. And according to several witnesses who I've spoken to personally who were there on the ground watching it happen, if he didn't, he would have died. Now, the reason I highlight this story from his sister is to point out the radicalization and her thoughts and views on potential martyrdom. I think she's right. I mean, his sister sounds pretty savvy. I mean that literally. She said, I am relieved and also disappointed by that, at least uh, referring to the police killing her brother. At least it wasn't vigilante justice that got him, because I think that would actually be worse. It would feed the violence a lot more. But at the same time, the nationwide dispute is very highly black people versus officers. And now you have a member of Antifa killed by an officer. So I can imagine things are going to get worse again. His own sister says he's a member of Antifa. The school teacher and mother of two said the situation left her feeling hopeless for the country and worried for her brother's two children, an 18-year-old son and 11-year-old daughter, who were already devastated by the news their father could be a murderer. I'm pretty sure they've already both pretty thoroughly, uh, I'm pretty sure they're already both pretty thoroughly devastated. I don't imagine they're going to take it well. As estranged as we are, as much as I knew it was coming one way or another, I've been saying to people for a while, if he doesn't turn himself in, he's going to get himself killed. I fear for the nation. I'm mourning the loss of a brother I barely knew. I'm mourning the loss of, of potential for very good, for good every living being possesses, she told DailyMail.com. I know there's nothing I could have done differently to keep him from going down this path, but I wish it was different. I have sadness for this whole freaking situation. Even though he really screwed up, I was really hoping he would take responsibility for what happened with dignity so that whatever end he faced would be something that meant something good. Now it's just go, now it's just going to bring more pain for more people, more anger, more violence. I feel like this nation is further away from peace forever. And we've had far too many victims and not enough change. Reinhold came close to admitting killing in an interview with Vice News broadcast around the same time they closed in. I want you to think about the statements he made to Vice News when he, he was basically saying that a group of, of vehicles, uh, these dangerous Trump supporters were armed. The guy was paranoid and delusional. That is what is happening to the far left in this country. And it's what's happening to the Democratic Party. And I am not trying to be hyperbolic or derogatory of the Democrats. I will ask you the question I've asked now several times for context on those who haven't heard it. Is it radical to propose border security for this country? The answer is no. We've done that forever. As long as I've been alive, we've had border security. Several Democrats proposed border barriers. Does Trump kick it up a notch a little bit? Yeah, but ultimately he just reinforced bollard fencing in select areas. Is it radical to suggest we should have a moratorium on deportations? Yes. Is it radical to suggest we should decriminalize border crossings? Yes. That is far out outside of what we've done in this country. Is it radical to suggest abolishing private health care? Yes. Is it radical to march around believing that all police are hunting down and killing minorities? Yes, it literally does not happen. These people have been radicalized on media. They've lost their minds. And now this lunatic, Reinhold, was standing in a normal intersection in a normal city 
And he saw a Trump supporter who, who was just outside of his own home, reported by Oregon Live, the Oregonian. The man who died was just near his own home in Portland. But this guy, when he looked through this lens of psychosis, far left media, he did not see a man walking down the street. He saw a bunch of cars full of Nazis with guns. And that's not what happened. We can see in the video, albeit a grainy video, this guy lost his mind. So what happened when the cops came for him? He didn't see police officers trying to stop a dangerous killer, him. He saw himself as the righteous hero fighting against a whole bunch of evil demon Nazis coming to get him. He even said they were that the police are in league with the far right. Uh, you walked up to a random dude in the street and shot him, bro. You're nuts. Dude needed help. Well, I'll tell you what, man. We're starting to see it. This is a Twitter account. Someone replying straight to me, surprisingly, where I said there isn't going to be an election there. This is a tweet from Elijah Schaefer. He was on the ground covering this. More shootings tonight. We are in civil war. This guy responded to me to everyone instigating a possible civil war from all sides. Let me give you a little bit of advice. Many of us served and fought in the wars. When our time was done, we came back to the USA to start over and live in peace. It wasn't us who kneeled the neck on the neck of a man until he died. It wasn't us to retaliate by kneeling on the neck of a toddler saying BLM now, MF. You see, war is hell. Millions of you do not quite grasp this concept. We have been to hell, lived in hell, climbed out of hell, and don't want to go back to hell. If you keep trampling on the peace we fought for, earned and love, then when the first shot gets fired, you will force us back to hell, and we will show you the brutal realities of hell. Y'all better work this S out before we do, because I guarantee you, you are not ready for this. I completely agree. I don't know who this person is, but they're completely correct. I've not been in full scale international war. I have witnessed a revolution on the ground in Egypt. I have been in Ukraine at the start of what people were calling a civil war and now kind of became more of a separatist thing. I have been in Brazil. I have been in many circumstances that I would just call civil, civil uprising or civil unrest. Technically some civil war, I guess, but not nearly as intense as like the Eastern Ukraine stuff. I've mostly been dealing with uprisings, riots, things like that. Egypt was probably the most intense of a place I've been to where people were shooting at each other with these makeshift shotguns. And I see I saw some people die. And I ended up leaving once things got too hot because I realize what this means. I have seen the, the precursor to how bad it gets. So when these lefties, when these media people come out and say everything in Portland is fine, I'm at the park right now and people are eating cheeseburgers and playing a game of soccer. That, yeah, that's what it looked like before mass civil war erupted. And even during the Syrian civil war, you could still go to Damascus and go clubbing. Life doesn't just stop because war is going on, but it does become scary and dangerous. In response to this post, the Oath Keepers said, the first shot has been fired, brother. Civil war is here right now. We'll give Trump one last chance to declare this a Marxist insurrection and suppress it as his duty demands. If he fails to do his duty, we will do ours against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Stuart, man, I certainly hope not, Stuart. I certainly hope you all sit back and keep calm and let law enforcement deal with this. But I cannot deny the reality of what people are saying. These are the Oath Keepers. They're a, uh, I, don't, I, I guess you, they're described as a right wing militia. 
I don't uh, I, I, I'm careful in, in just, you know, trying to throw around, for, you know, titles or whatever. The Oath Keepers have straight up said the Civil War is here. I've been saying something similar. Now, a lot of people don't like to say it because, of course, I get smeared. People are claiming that I want civil war. Quite the opposite. I'm bringing it up because I don't want it. I want to sit back and play video games, dude. Have a slice of pizza and mind my own business. I don't want to record videos about an Antifa lunatic who, who, who killed a guy. I don't want to wake up in the morning and see in my country what I witnessed in other countries. I don't want to see that. And I know these, this, this, this guy who tweeted about being in war, he knows full well, way better than I do. I take his word for it. I got close to that line. I watched people pull out guns and I said, I'm getting out of here. I don't want to be there. These people went, they saw it and they tell, and when they say, you do not understand, I say, I hear you, bro. I, I, I simply looked through the window of war and said, I, and I turn around behind me and say, everybody, you do not what's on the, want what's inside that building right there. The people who actually served in combat are the ones who are coming out of that building saying, pray you never go inside. And I'm like, look at that guy. I watched what was going on. The left doesn't care. They don't seem to have a cohesive strategy. There's more and more protests erupting every night. They're being radicalized by, by a media. But for the most part, I think they're at the, the, the people who are fomenting this, who will come out and claim that routine policing is a nightmare hellscape of, you know, slave corps hunting people down to kill them. They want it to happen. They want the chaos. They want the destruction. I did a documentary on systemic racism. I think, uh, I guess the definition has shifted, right? The general, idea, the general idea was simple. We have had in this country race-based law. Okay, you go back in time. We got rid of those things. But guess what? The, thing, the, the systems that were created under racialized law and policy and practice still exist today. Even though we've made many of these things illegal, we haven't gotten rid of the, the ramifications of these past efforts. That's a system. Now, I guess people have muddied the definition and no one knows what institutional or systemic racism really means. My understanding at the time was that systemic meant we did something racist and it created a system like an, a, a, a network of roots that have negative consequences, like two different train tracks. That's the way I view it. With some people, Although the trains you can now freely cross, one side is still suffering under policies that happened a while ago. And how do we rectify that? Over time, we are doing a good job of solving these problems. It won't be done overnight. Now, systemic and institutional racism are mixed. Institutional racism is the stuff the left really talks about, where like they say all cops are evil. I did a documentary on this, and they wanted me to include a line claiming that police are, the, are, are derivative of slave catching groups. Of like that, that are you what? Well, police existed in the UK. What are you talking about? The, the police, like we, 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 we uh, or, or England or whatever. We have police. They enforce the law. It's, it's ridiculous propaganda, but that's where they've gone. I don't know how you deal with this kind of psychosis. They're running around screaming that cops are hunting them down when they're not. But if they truly believe that and they're as paranoid and delusional as Michael Reinel and that dangerous, what do we do about it? The last thing we want is a civil war. Now, I have said over and over again that the likelihood, in my opinion, is high. But there is a way to stop it. The police are not the same as the right wing groups in Portland. The police could stop all of this. We do, we do not want a police state. I, I warn you. And I said it 
The far left is going to engage in this kind of nightmarish behavior. And regular people will beg the government for a police state. In Chicago, I'm being told by these journalists who are on the ground, there are more cops you've ever seen just everywhere, checkpoints everywhere. That's what the left does. When you attack the, the, the beast, you don't kill it, you scar it. You thicken its hide. And that's what's happening. They don't have the ability to shut down law enforcement or do any of these things. Now, at a, at a cultural and institutional level, that's where they come up behind and try and kneecap these institutions from the inside out. And that's the risk. Talking Points Memo says, with itchy trigger, trigger fingers, some right wingers predict the next civil war has finally arrived. Yeah, and they mention what Rhodes said. A lot of people are talking about it. This is what civil war will look like. You'll be in your home. You'll go to the store. You'll pick up your groceries and life will seem normal. I'm not trying to exaggerate or downplay what's going on. I said this when I was in Egypt during the revolution. I took a trip over to Heliopolis, went to the mall, got a kebab. It was good. Bought a cell phone. Life carries on. The conflict is, is happening in other places. Different groups were clashing in different areas. I'll tell you what you can expect. When you look at the Syrian civil war, which was very, very, very serious, that may be way more than we, we can expect here. But in Damascus, life was carrying on like normal with, with intermittent attacks. If this escalates, what will happen? Insurgency, uh, insurgent uprisings in certain areas. We're seeing protests for months now. In 50 to 100 years, they might just call those battles or, or circumstances within the civil war conflict. You will be minding your own business in your hometown. And then one day your city will be burned to the ground. People will show up and be fighting each other like Kenosha. The people in Kenosha did not ever believe that their small town would be subjected to this kind of mass rioting, looting, destruction and death. And it happened. Many of you will never see anything. Some of you will be surprised it finally came to your house. It's kind of like a lottery ticket. Obviously, the conflict can't be everywhere all at once. And that's why you need to be careful about the extremists, allies and media. They'll post a video from Washington, D.C. of people sitting in a park. Well, clearly, you can go look at what was like the revolution. The, the American Revolution took a span of like 20 years. The war, the, the, the actual hot, hot conflict was for several years. Same thing. Same thing for the Civil War. Do you think people like were always just fighting nonstop every day, waking up with bombs going off? No, they'd wake up. They'd have a meal. They'd hang out with their family and for months see literally nothing. They'd hear tales of a battle over here and over there, and they carried on. And then one day it ended. That's what we're going to see. Kenosha, that's a battle. Maybe not the most extreme. Look at this photo. People on the left and the right ready to face off and fight each other. Different symbols adorning their, their, their groups. You have ideological belligerence now. At some point, we will need the Insurrection Act to shut all of this down. I don't care if you're left or right wing. If you're out there in, in the streets causing chaos, fighting with people, it needs to be stopped. The problem is the governments in these left wing areas, they favor these groups and they will not allow Trump to stop it. The only thing that can happen then is street clashes. So where do you think this goes? That's why I'm telling people you do not want this. That's why I've repeatedly been critical of the Proud Boys for going for saying they're going to go to Portland. <laughs> no, stay away de-escalate, have your protest on your own ground, on your own turf. And if and, and they still might come to you, but it's very, very different from you going to Portland, especially after this. We do, we do not want escalation. How dare people say 
that I in any way would want anything like this. That's despicable and disgusting. But these people have no idea what it's like. They have no idea what's really going on. And many of them just want to live in their fantasy world that the fight isn't coming or the fight isn't here. Walk away. I'm going to leave you with this. There's a funny video of a martial artist. And he, and he tells all of his students he's going to teach them the ultimate technique to guarantee you win any fight one on one. And then everyone's all excited. Whoa, what's the ultimate technique? And as he gets ready to fight, he turns around, wiggles his arms and runs full speed out of the room. And everyone laughs and claps. He comes back in and says, any fight you can avoid is a fight you've won. It's a stupid game. And the only way to win is to not play. However, I recognize we are facing a serious existential threat from extremists on the far left. Law enforcement needs to handle this. There needs to be a political victory. And then Trump can push out critical race theory. Then law enforcement can come in and shut down the extremists. But I will tell you this right now, the lines that are being formed are the far left extremists against the right and law enforcement at the same time. I call for stability and for law enforcement to take care of, of uh, handle these laws the way they're supposed to do it. And I do not want random groups to be confronting anybody. The police will take care of it. And if they can't, Trump made one of the smartest moves possible. Deputizing state police in Oregon. When, they, when these people get arrested, the feds will prosecute. They are doing it. They're taking care of it. Stop, uh, stop the escalation. Do not go out and confront these people. If the cops can't do it, I understand there's a serious conflict. Defend yourself. That I recognize. That I respect. I'm just saying, don't armor up and go out like these people are doing. I don't, look, I'm going to tell you, man, a lot of people don't like it when I say it, but you are not, you're, this is asymmetrical. You are not fighting on even ground. They have the high ground. They control the media and cultural institutions, which means, yeah, it's hard mode for you. But you know what? You need to play it smart. Don't interrupt your enemy when they're making mistakes. Let law enforcement take care of all of these illegal acts. Let the DHS and the federal and the feds prosecute the criminals and you can stay home, do your thing, but speak up online, speak up at your jobs and let people know you are not okay with what the far left is doing and do not give them ammunition. This needs to deescalate and it needs to stop. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast and I will see you all then. My friends, you and I are being played by the media and the Democrats. This video is an addendum to my main channel segment over at youtube.com slash Timcast, where I basically called out this insane media smear of Donald Trump. If you missed it, the general context is simple. They claim that Donald Trump called military vets losers. This story on its face is so absurd, no one will believe it. When I was making the thumbnail for this, trying to describe what was going on, I was like, if I just said the media and Democrats were working together, people are going to be like, what else is new? So why would they publish a patently absurd story where Donald Trump allegedly claimed he didn't understand why the U.S. fought with the allies? They want it to be absurd. You know why? They got me to do a whole segment on it. But do you know what I was talking about the past several segments? to nearly a million plus views. I was talking about riots and violence, and we've been talking about nothing but riots and violence for the past several weeks, and it's been tearing at Joe Biden's polls. And this was a very well-crafted, in my opinion, distraction, and we all fell for it. 
I'm seeing now everybody on Twitter say, can you believe the lies? Who in their right, right mind would believe it? And like perfectly uh, uh, like uh, clockwork, people fell for the bait. The story is absurd. It's meant to be absurd. It serves two purposes. First, if the smear works, then people won't like Trump because they'll believe that he was smearing the vets. Secondly, the smear probably won't work on people like me or other members of the punditry class. And we will mock the story for being so ridiculous. But it worked beyond that. It got us off base. We were talking about the violence and the insurrection. And now we're talking about media collusion once again, something that's kind of nebulous. And it has everyone else on the defensive. It has Trump on the defensive. So I pulled up this tweet again from Byron York, and I want to break down just how clever this is. Take a look. Many of the questions for Joe Biden after his remarks today consisted of reporters asking Biden to elaborate on how bad Trump is. This is meant to reshape the news cycle. Joe Biden was playing catch up. He was desperately running after Donald Trump. He said, I'm not going to go to Kenosha. Trump goes to Kenosha. Then Biden says, OK, fine, I'll go to Kenosha. No matter what he did, he was two steps behind Trump. They got in front of him. Take a look at these questions that were asked of Joe Biden. First, what does the Atlantic article tell you about Trump's soul and the life he leads? This is meant to attack Trump based on the merits of the article itself. The article, which was instantly debunked for the most part by a BuzzFeed news reporter. Come on, they wouldn't be so so blind at first. I believe I fell for this trick. So I'll do this this addendum that it's, it's so obvious that they're working together that we can instantly call it out but they're trying to get us distracted. The first question does just that. It makes us talk about whether Trump really likes or doesn't like the troops. And that's a weak point for Trump because of comments he made about John McCain. But we're not talking about the violence anymore, are we? Question number two, he says, what would you say to supporters of QAnon? And what would you say to Trump for not rejecting the conspiracy? This is brilliant stuff. Check it out. Now, He's directly, directly targeted an online community. These individuals who may be talking about violence and Maxwell and the trafficking arrests that were recently made will now be thrown off and be targeting Biden because he told them that he that they should seek mental health or or, a mental health assessment or something like that treatment. You know why that's a perfect answer? Because they're now going to respond by saying, what about you, Biden? What about your mental health? And what, what, what won't they be talking about? The fact that Donald Trump and feds have been saving children, which has been happening, and they won't be talking about the violence. Third, Trump mocked you for not wearing a mask. And four, have you been tested for COVID? Joe Biden's plan was to slam Trump on his COVID response. Politico noted that because of the violence, Joe Biden was was forced to counter Trump's law and order narrative. The re- these reporters are helping Joe Biden get back to the COVID narrative. Five, Bill Barr, China, Iran, Russia, intelligence briefings, once again, giving them the leg up and shifting the narrative off of COVID and towards Russia and foreign threats, getting getting everyone to focus on foreign issues, whatever they can do to make sure we aren't talking about the riots and the violence. Because last night, that Antifa guy pulled a gun, got killed when they're trying to arrest him. Six, they mentioned Kamala Harris. Why? What's her role in the campaign? Just another opportunity to reshape the narrative. Seven, COVID. Interesting. That's once again trying to get them back on the COVID narrative. Eight, Trump suggested voters vote twice. What do you make of that? That's interesting because this one, I believe, doesn't actually help them. 
I believe Donald Trump's whole play on the vote twice thing, which I'll do in another segment, was meant to force them to address the inconsistencies, the inaccuracies and the potential fraud that comes with mail-in voting. But again, if it gets them back onto the subject of mail-in voting, for which Democrats have a, are, are, are strong to, a, to an extent, and it, it brings them back into COVID, I think this is beneficial. I'll put it this way. They, they know that there are concerns about mail-in voting, but the media has consistently covered this up for them. They also know that Democrats are scared about COVID. This allows them to get back onto the COVID narrative. The Democrats were being swayed by the violence narrative. We saw it in Wisconsin. Matt Taibbi mentioned it, that some, that some of these Democrat guys who are like on the fence, we're not necessarily Democrat, but kind of on the fence people were saying the Democrats have no plan and the violence was shocking them. They want to change the narrative. Nine, he says, you said today, you said today is the angriest you have been at a presidential candidate. Joe Biden responded saying the president must be calm and collected, an effort to push back on Trump's more bombastic approach. Ten, we know the president has been attacking mail-in voting. So is Russia. And there it is. You see, early on when they mentioned Trump saying vote twice, they're now going to say, see, Donald Trump is working with Russia to, to undermine elections. There it is. Eleven jobless report. They say you acknowledge that less than half of jobs lost in the spring have been recovered because today was a great day. It was good news on jobs. Once again, this whole list of questions is perfectly crafted to shift the narrative back to Biden. Twelve. Would you support more Muslim countries normalizing relations with Israel, even though it might undermine Palestinian leverage for a two state solution? Anything they can say to undermine the great job Trump did. Well, I ain't playing that game no more. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you the statement from Bill Barr. Let's get things back on track, please. Consider sharing this video and subscribing to make sure people don't get pulled off base. There are violent riots sweeping this country. There's an extremist who just killed a Trump supporter. And they would have the nerve to try and argue that Trump said something as stupid as, why would the U.S. join the allies? Derp. Here's what really happened. Attorney General William P. Barr on the tracking down of fugitive Michael Forrest Reinel. Attorney General Barr has released the following statement. Last Saturday, Aaron J. Danielson was shot and killed amid the continuing violence in Portland. Local authorities subsequently obtained an arrest warrant for Michael Forrest Reinel, a self-described Antifa member suspected of the alleged murder. Reinel fled to Washington state where he was located yesterday by members of a fugitive task force led by the U.S. Marshals Service the FBI, and state and local law enforcement partners. When Reinel attempted to escape arrest and produced a firearm, he was shot and killed by law enforcement officers. The tracking down of Reinel, a dangerous fugitive, admitted Antifa member and suspected murderer, is a significant accomplishment in the ongoing effort to restore law and order to Portland and other cities. I applaud the outstanding cooperation among federal, state, and local law enforcement, particularly the fugitive task force team that located Reinel and prevented him from escaping justice. The streets of our cities are safer with this violent agitator removed. And the actions that led to his location are an unmistakable demonstration that the United States will be governed by law, not violent mobs. Bravo, good sir. Thank you, Bill Barr. And thank you to the federal government for trying to stop the violence. They want us to ignore it. They're telling us there is no war in Ba Sing Se. They're telling us there's no violence. They put out a peace. The Washington Post claiming 93% of the protests were peaceful, they said. They are desperate because we are angry that they have for too long placated the far left, negotiated with these terrorists. We've seen the photos. We've seen the videos. 
No, I don't want to ignore it and forget about it. I want justice. I want the people that have been burning down buildings to be stopped. I want the people who have had their lives destroyed to to receive some kind of justice. And the only way we get that is by calling out the criminals. This lunatic, the crackpot killer, Antifa's crackpot killer, thought he was surrounded by cars full of angry Trump supporters with weapons. And that's why he had to shoot an innocent man near his home on the sidewalk. That's why he did it. I would have been stabbed, he said. We watched the video. He was not surrounded by Trump supporters. The dude was out of his mind. I'm sad he died. I don't like hearing any. I'm a, I oppose the death penalty. I don't want anyone to die. But this guy, he pulled a gun on the feds. They were trying to stop him. You know what? That was his choice. He believed the police were working together with the Proud Boys like some grand conspiracy. So it makes sense that he drew a weapon and the feds took him down. I'm sad to hear it. I would have much preferred this man stood trial for his crimes and we revealed his crimes. He is escaping justice. I'm sorry. I got to say it. He is. He will not see his day in court and we will not get closure for the murder he perpetrated. Allegedly, he admitted to it. That's why I say he did it. He said in an interview with self-defense. So he's, he's basically all but admitted to it. This is what we need to focus on. Don't let the media, the Democrats distract you. Because otherwise, you will wake up once again to see some random lunatic burning down cars or buildings or whatever. Now, this all simmered down good, but I'm glad to see this guy is being brought to justice. The Democrats will try and sweep it under the rug. No, I'm not interested. This guy and people like him, they have they have plans. They're crazy. And let's not forget what they represent. And that's why we need law and order. Yeah, Donald Trump was offering up something important to people. And now they're trying to dangle the keys off to the other side. Now I'm not falling for it. I got a couple more segments in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. In what appeared to be a pretty stupid move, Donald Trump appeared to suggest people vote twice. And I laughed when I saw it because come on, man, Trump says stuff all the time. I'm not going to get angry. I, I wonder if there are people who have like it's not Trump derangement syndrome. It's like Trump amusement syndrome. Like I laugh at the things Trump Trump does. And then I read this story from Fox News and there's always some kind of 4D chess play. And I got to I got to say, I think Trump did it on purpose. I think he knew what he needed to say. And I think he made a really good point. And <laughs> I just got to say it, man. It makes me laugh because, you know, I've fallen for the smears sometimes. And then people are like, yo, here's what Trump really said. And I saw this and I'm like, what's Trump's play with this? And I'm like, I'm not I'm not buying it. There's something going on. Turns out Fox News says Trump's vote twice comments outrage media, which amplify his message. And then you see the true genius that is Trump's banana peel slip and then full backflip. This, this way to describe it. The, the Trump's walking down the sidewalk and he slips on a banana peel. But instead of falling, he just flips perfectly, lands on his feet. Ten out of ten, say the judges. Check this out. This is hilarious. So why did the president of the U.S. do it? Why did Donald Trump in broad daylight with cameras rolling suggest that the good people of North Carolina vote twice? He knew full well that this would cause a media freakout, that journalists and pundits would rise up in unison and denounce him for promoting such a blatantly illegal act. And that was precisely the point. Had Trump merely issued his 130th warning about mail-in ballot fraud, it wouldn't have made much news. Maybe one paragraph in a story. But he knows from long experience that when he crosses the line, goes over the top, the resulting furor can last several days, even a week. 
getting the media and political world chattering about the very issue he wants to spotlight. If he takes heat, if he has to backtrack, so be it. That still means lots of cable segments and front page stories about the possibility of mail fraud, as opposed to, say, a thousand Americans dying each day from COVID-19. And there it is. A brilliant move by the president. Bravo. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Death Note, where you got, uh, you should really check it out. It's about these two guys that are basically, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to say too much, but the main character gets a notebook where when you write someone's name down, they die. And then he becomes this like megalomaniac who wants to p- uh, cleanse the world of criminals. And then there's just a detective trying to, you know, catch him somehow, but he can't find out his name. And it's a really, it's a really, really great show. It's a classic, by the way. But it reminds me of this Donald Trump's media 4D chess games. Then the media, not Joe Biden, mind you, Joe Biden doesn't know what's going on, but his handlers and the media are countering Trump, trying to control the narrative. It's kind of fun to watch the, the, the political battle play out like a game of chess. Trump, clever move on this. They say, now I'm not defending the outrageous suggestion that Americans somehow test the system by voting twice. Or why stop there? Maybe five times. I just don't think Trump is serious. He has a well-established pattern of saying questionable things to push a broader narrative. In some cases, admitting privately, he's changing the subject from some other controversy. He is trolling the press. Here are the president's exact words to John Evans of North Carolina's WECT. Well, they'll go out and they'll vote. And they're going to have to go and check their vote by going to the poll and voting that way, because if it tabulates, then they won't be able to do that. So let them send it in and let them go vote. And if the system is as good as they say it is, obviously they won't be able to vote. If it isn't tabulated, they'll be, they'll, they'll be able to vote. So that's the way it is. And that's what they should do. He repeated a similar message last night in, in, in Pennsylvania. I haven't found anyone, including Fox News, defending this maneuver. In fact, when Sandra Smith pressed Kaylee McEnany on why Trump made the comic, comment, the press secretary said he wasn't suggesting people do anything illegal, but to make sure their mail ballot was tabulated. And if not, go vote. He wants verification. The second round, as these things spread across the cable verse, was when Bill Barr appeared on CNN. When Wolf Blitzer said it sounds like Trump is encouraging people to break the law and try to vote twice, the attorney general replied, well, I don't know exactly what he was saying, but it seems to me what he's saying is he's trying to make the point that the ability to monitor the system is not good. When Wolf pressed again, Barr said he didn't know the law in that particular state but that the whole mail ballot system is like playing with fire. The formulation that Barr doesn't know the specifics, the formulation that Barr doesn't know the specifics, but here's why Trump is right on the larger point, is one the AG used more than once in the CNN interview. He said Trump was speaking colloquially, not using a legal term, when he accused Obama and Joe Biden of treason. This touched off a fresh wave of attacks on Barr by pundits on CNN and MSNBC, giving the story legs. Trump knows how to push the media's buttons. In a memo leaked to the New York Post, he ordered federal agencies to look into cutting funds to uh, cutting off funds such cities as New York, uh, as New York, Washington, Portland and Seattle that allow themselves to deteriorate into lawless zones. This brought an unusually harsh counterattack from Cuomo, who said Trump would need an army to protect him if he were, if he were to walk down New York City streets. He goes on to say, now, I don't believe the feds will end up terminating this aid any more than the administration slashed aid to schools that don't physically reopen, as Trump threatened earlier. But it's another way for him to appear strong by vowing to retaliate against those grappling with with urban violence. In the meantime, anyone who follows the Trump suggestion about voting more than once does so at his or her, her own risk. This was clever by Trump. Now, apparently it's illegal to suggest voting twice. Should they hold Trump accountable? I mean, well, so be it. But I was thinking about this. Why would Trump do this? He just forced the media to admit the system is broken. 
That was it. If Trump said, what if someone voted twice? They'd say, it never happens. Nobody votes twice. There's no fraud. So Trump comes out and says, here's what you got to do. All right. See, you mail your, this is what Trump basically said. He posted on Facebook. And I think I, I got to admit, I think it, it's, it's one of the more dangerous thing Trump's have ever, Trump, Trump's ever said. But now I see why he did it. He said, mail your vote in as early as possible. He then said, go to the polling station and try to vote. If they've already counted your mail-in vote, you will not be able to do so. If they haven't counted your vote, you can. And if your mail-in vote comes in, you, it won't be able to be counted and will be discarded. The general idea for Trump is, hey, they said this system works great, right? It isn't possible to vote twice. Now the media is freaking out because the premise is they can vote twice. Their vote will be counted twice. So then what? I think Trump is playing with fire. To be completely honest, I think Bill Barr is right. The Democrats started with playing fire, playing with fire first by changing up the rules to our election system at the last minute. But you can't deny it. By Trump saying this, the narrative has now become people can, in fact, vote twice, because if Trump is correct, they can't. Right. Trump didn't say, hey, everybody, try and vote twice so you can get double votes. He said your vote shouldn't be counted. But what if it can? Therein lies the narrative change. The system is broken and Trump knows it and the media knows it. And now they've acknowledged it. So where do we go from here? I think the media, they've been playing with fire long, long before Trump has been in this regard. And so Trump is retaliating in kind. They've told us over and over again that mail-in, mail-in, mail-in votes are safe and secure, but it's never been done this way. And now they're saying upwards of 80 million votes will be put through by mail. There's no way that we can get this election done. So what does this ultimately mean for us come November? Well, I don't think Trump is going to be indicted or prosecuted or whatever. I don't know. I think we are in dangerous territory for Trump to even be playing this game. There's several scenarios to consider. What if come November 3rd, Donald Trump wins in a landslide? Then within the next week, Biden wins in a landslide because of mail-in votes. Both sides will claim victory and then fighting ensues. What happens if the mail-in votes never come in? Facebook has said they will ban any, well, they will flag anybody who tries claiming victory early. And Facebook has said it may take weeks, plural, before we know who won. November 3rd. What if it takes a month and the mail-in votes are still being counted? 80 million by mail. The post office is going to be inundated. What if mail-in ballots get lost? Lawsuits will erupt. Then we'll have lawsuits take another week. These must be disqualified. No, no, no. What about these? January 20th comes around. Nancy Pelosi, she's confirmed for her district. She is now once again the Speaker of the House, and it falls to her to be interim president while we try and figure out what's just, just, you know, just what the hell's going on, huh? We gotta, we just gotta put a hold on this election until we can figure out what the hell's going on with these mail-in ballots. Then Pelosi becomes president briefly, but long enough to start doing things. She will be in charge of the executive branch. Is that the long-term play, I wonder? Well, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. Trump's comments, while they may have a purpose, he's forcing the media to acknowledge there are holes in the system, may actually just muddy the system up a bit worse. So while I think there is a clever play here, ultimately I'm concerned that it's just going to make, it's just going to do exactly what I just said, delay the election, and then what? Now, herein lies the bigger challenge for the Democrats. Trump is the president. So if this election is muddled up and broken, 
Trump is still the president. Yeah, come January 20th, Trump might not be president. Pelosi might take over. But between November 3rd and then, Trump is in charge. And he has control of these executive, uh, you know, uh, services, law enforcement agencies. Bill Barr will still be doing his job. So they can try and jam things up. But ultimately, Trump has the control here. I guess we can only wait and see, man. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, I suppose, but I'll leave it there. Next video is coming up in just a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Panic has erupted for shareholders of Spotify after it came out that Joe Rogan has debuted his, his show with his most controversial episodes missing. And I, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal, so I wasn't going to talk about it. But I tell you this, $4.8 billion stock loss. Is that what? Look at this. Spotify shares dropped 8.8% Wednesday, shaving as much as $4.81 billion off its value. Following a report, Joe Rogan's back catalog debuted on the platform Tuesday without episodes by right-wing personalities. Whoa, 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 whoa. Spotify, get well, go broke. What's going on here? All right, hold on. We're going to slow down and see exactly what happened. Here's the story from entertainment. They say his controversial episodes are missing. Joe Rogan made a Spotify debut on Tuesday, but apparently not all of his podcast episodes made the cut. Dozens of past episodes with controversial guests are notably absent from the new Joe Rogan Experience channel, such as interviews with conspiracy theorist Alex Jones and David Seaman. Far-right figures such as Owen Benjamin, Stephen Molyneux, Milo Yiannopoulos, Gavin McInnes, Charles C. Johnson, and Sargon of Akkad, as well as comedian Chris Delia, who has recently been accused of impropriety. Also seemingly absent is an early episode where Rogan regular Joey Diaz infamously joked about coercing female comics into servicing him, to say the least. An exchange that resurfaced in the press in the wake of the Spotify deal. A few of the vanished episodes were more perplexing, however, such as an interview with pot activist Tommy Chong. When the Spotify deal was announced in May, Rogan told his listeners that, quote, beginning September 1st, the entire JRE library will be available on Spotify. Now Rogan's fans are wondering whether Spotify refused to allow certain episodes or if Rogan himself decided to trim the archive of his most frequently criticized content, or if this was some sort of oddly specific temporary oversight. A representative for Spotify and Rogan did not return a request for comment, and Rogan's Twitter feed was silent on the matter. Michaela Peterson, daughter of the controversial professor and public speaker Jordan Peterson, slammed the move, saying, okay, Getting demonetized from YouTube is one thing. At least they didn't shut down my channel. However, this is completely different. Spotify is not uploading select Joe Rogan episodes, including my episode. Whoa. Now that's weird. I don't know why. I'm fairly certain my episodes with Joe, I think I have three, are all up on Spotify, which it's strange. I don't know why Michaela Peterson would get banned. Now, some people put together a list and they went through it and they said, there's a pattern. Most of the people are like right-wing personalities, many of whom who have many of whom have been deplatformed. And the rumor was that Alex Jones would appear on the on one of the newer Spotify episodes. So as soon as Joe launched with Spotify, he'd have Alex back on. Now people are questioning whether that will be the case. And I'll elaborate, but let's read a little bit more. And, and, and uh, keeping in mind, the big context here is that Spotify may have lost a ton of money from their market value because of this. Spotify reportedly paid more than $100 million to lure the country's most popular podcaster exclusively to the streaming service. The Spotify-based shows launched with a marathon five-hour interview with comedian Duncan Trussell, but the missing episodes were not addressed. 
Rogan's shows are still currently available on YouTube and podcasting platforms like iTunes. But the plan is for JRE to move exclusively to Spotify by the end of the year. The partnership was considered a massive win for Spotify, which is which has seen its stock price nearly double since the deal was announced. Rogan's podcast includes more than 1500 episodes of long form interviews. This lot, you know, we, we understand. They say the comedian and MMA commentator has long prided himself on talking to people from across the political spectrum and has frequently railed against deplatforming tech companies that remove controversial voices. Quote, they want me to just continue doing it the way I'm doing it right now. Rogan has previously said of the Spotify deal. It's just a licensing deal. So Spotify won't have any creative control over the show. It will be the exact same show. We're going to be working with the same crew doing the exact same show. In a profile for The Atlantic last August, writer Devin Gordon detailed Rogan's many strengths as a podcaster. I'm not interested in this stuff. They do mention Alex Jones, but let's talk about the cash. What happened? They say the closing price of $275.62 marked a 5.5% drop from Tuesday's close as the trading day heats up on Thursday. They mentioned Rogan, podcaster and comment. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Hold on. What? Podcaster, comedian and commentator on WWF's mixed martial arts telecasts? It's WWF? I'm pretty sure that's not correct. I'm pretty sure it's MMA. Uh, whatever. It's, it's uh, UFC, not WWF. Whatever. So maybe this is all fake news. They say he signed this big deal. He switched over. Among the guests Spotify left out, far-right guests such as Alex Jones, Milo Yiannopoulos, Chuck Johnson, Gavin McInnes, as well as comedian Chris Delia, this we understand. Investors also pulled, uh, pulled back on some other tech stocks. The Rogan catalog dust-up reveals the delicate balance as streaming service must strike with its content and policies, especially as they increasingly use podcasts in their long-term strategies. So it looks like they're straight up saying that the reason why the stock has dropped is because people were, were scared that certain uh, episodes were pulled. This makes sense. Let me, let, let's place it. All right, let's, let's, let's break this down. I have no idea. So, so I, obviously I know Joe. Um, I talk to him every so often. I don't know the finer details. I don't talk to him all the time. I know that his YouTube stuff will continue to exist forever. But the question now is, when he leaves YouTube, will he continue to have on these types of guests? And that's what many people are scared of. Now, I don't know if I really believe that Spotify lost money because of Joe. They mentioned that a ton of tech stocks saw Matt. Look at this. Apple and Netflix fell 8.1% and 5.6%. Come on, man. To quote Joe Biden, come on, man. Maybe the reason Spotify lost their, you know, there was a stock drop off is because everybody saw a stock drop off. Why, why, why would they assume it's Joe Rogan? But that's the general assumption, I guess. They say news of the missing podcast precipitated this, 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 this loss. This makes sense. And I think it's, it's, it's fine to entertain the possibility because hear me out. Joe Rogan was a massive deal for Spotify, reportedly a hundred million dollars. Woo spicy meatball, dude. That's FU money. You can do whatever you want after that. And Joe says it's not going to affect the show. This means Spotify was saying straight up, we will pay big bucks for this because the Joe Rogan model works. But if the Joe Rogan model is being changed by producers and fat cats and big wigs over at Spotify, then the Joe Rogan show won't be nearly as fun, will it? Come on, that Alex Jones podcast was hilarious. They get Jones all worked up and he's hollering, he's all red. I'm telling you the cell phones, man, you got, you got cow hybrids. It was funny and it was crazy. And people liked the entertainment value of it. If they won't do those episodes in the future, 
then that $100 million ain't going to be worth it, is it? Now, to be fair, I think Joe does a great podcast, no matter who his guest is. I like listening to Joe for Joe. Most people who watch Joe, watch Joe for Joe. Yeah, like people should think about this. When you go on to Joe's podcast, you might not know who that dude is. Like, you know, Bill Williamson, you're like, that's a common name. I got no idea who that guy is. But you listen anyway, because you like Joe Rogan. He's a funny guy. He's got interesting ideas and he talks about fun stuff and, he, and, he, and he's, he's witty. He does a good job. So ultimately, I don't think it matters all that much. But it's possible that investors said what made the show great is being changed. And now that these this company's got their, their pinky in the pie, they're going to take away that magic, the magic that made the Rogan podcast special. Joe got tons of views from Jordan Peterson, from Ben Shapiro, from Alex Jones, from Milo. These are big episodes. Maybe not his biggest. I think Alex Jones was one of his biggest. But if you take that away, then what's, what's the show really? To make this worse, and I think it's a bit unfair, a lot of people criticize Joe for having Miley Cyrus on for like his second or whatever episode on Spotify. The first episode he, episode he did when he joined for the, for the Spotify launch was a five-hour crazy, hilarious show where they're like wearing costumes, whatever, five hours with Duncan Trussell. And I, I listened only a little bit, watch a little bit. It was funny. He had on Miley Cyrus. Me personally, I don't really care for Miley. I, I, you know, I think, you know, she's cool, whatever. She does her thing. I got no beef. I got no beef with most people. But uh, a lot of people were saying like, oh no, here it comes. He's going to go mainstream and start pulling on regular celebrities. They combined that with the idea that a bunch of people weren't making the cut, the transition into Spotify. So the general idea is this, as I, as I mentioned, yes, the episodes will all remain on YouTube, but if Spotify is going to remove these people, does that mean we will never have episodes like that again? And if that's the case, was the investment really worth it? Because the Joe Rogan show might be going the way of Howard Stern. Howard Stern was, was, was a big deal. Then he, he, he took that fat cash, went over to Sirius. And then what happened? Ultimately, I'll tell you this. I think Joe knows what's best for Joe and he doesn't know anybody anything, man. I think it's a bit absurd to jump the gun making the claim that the stock drop off for Spotify was his fault when a bunch of other companies saw stock drop off as well. I would be upset to discover that Joe would no longer be having those guests on. But that's just the way it is, man. Joe doesn't owe you any favors. Nobody does. You get a free show from him. Now you get to listen to his, his ads in the beginning, but I'll just tell you, look, the ads he does in the beginning of the show, they're hilarious, you know? So I, I, I don't mind it. If, 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 if it really turned out that he was going to do a show that was going to have more mainstream celebrities and it was going to get rid of these personalities, I'm not sweating over it. He, owes no, he, he doesn't owe me or anybody else anything. He can do the show he wants the way he wants to do it. And I think he's earned it after a decade of, of doing this podcast. The shows that exist, they've, they, they've, they serve their purpose and they will exist on YouTube. If you're upset, let me tell you this. If you're upset that Joe's not going to have these people on, you're, you're upset at the wrong person, dude. You know who you should be upset at? Yourself. I mean it. I'll tell you what. Now's your opportunity. You want, you, you want to know when the time is right to strike? Joe Rogan's leaving YouTube. Why are you mad at him over this? He's opening the door for any other podcast to come in and have all those people on their show, and they'll get the traffic. If you're really concerned about Joe becoming a mainstream shill or whatever, he can do whatever he wants. I'm not going to be bent out of shape about it. I think his show is going to be fine and it's going to do well and it's going to be great. And that's just, you know, whatever. And for the critics, let me give you some advice, man. By all means, I'm not telling you you have no right to be upset or concerned about it. Of course you do. I respect that. I just think, why don't you start a podcast? Like for real, 
I mean, everybody and their mom has a podcast. You're listening to one right now, I guess. I'm just saying this. I, I look, I, I want I, I hope Joe keeps doing his thing, but you can't expect people to do something forever, man. Come on. He's been doing it for over a decade. At a certain point, he's going to want to chill, I guess. I'm not even I'm not even assuming that he's actually going to be doing that. I don't believe it. I think it's going to provide him more freedom. And what he's doing with Spotify is offering up real competition to YouTube and other podcast platforms, which should increase the value of podcasting, increase ad rates, all in all, a massive net positive for everybody. I'm stoked when I heard he was doing this. I'm like, this is great. Now these other platforms like YouTube will know we could always jump ship and go to Spotify, even though Spotify is held by Alphabet. (laughs) You get the point. Anyway, look, man, let me just put, put it this way. I think people are looking for sensational stories. I don't care if Joe Rogan doesn't want to have people on his show. I don't care if he's not going to port over the episodes. His episodes still exist with these people. You can still find them. You have an opportunity to fill that space. Michaela Peterson, I think it's a, it's a bummer that your episodes are not going to make the jump. But how about this? How about you do those episodes? You can do the shows and then you're going to get all of those people who want that. That hole in the market now exists. I mean, we don't know it does. There's an opportunity for everybody right there. So whatever, you get the point. I'll leave it there. I look forward to, to listening to Joe when I listen to Joe as it is. I don't care if he's on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. And that's just the way it is. Ultimately, I think him leaving YouTube creates an opportunity for a lot of people. So get to the grind, man. Start hustling and making your podcast and do what you got to do. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out.